And each week, we've been looking at a different story from Jesus' life. And when we read these gospel stories, um, I, I know you, you will realise that they're never just stories. They're not just stories that we like to tell, but they're, they're our stories. They're stories that challenge us, that change us, and reorient us towards Christ. These are stories that we believe God speaks to us um, through them, stories that um, call us into the Christian life. So um, before we go into today's message and, and look at, um, at another story about Jesus, I just want to say a prayer um, for us as we, as we hear these words. Lord God, thank you for your presence here with us. And uh, as, we, um, as we hear your word today, um, I ask that you would um, bless my words. May you speak through me. And I pray too that you would open um, the hearts and minds and ears of, of each person here today. Amen. It comes pretty naturally, I reckon, for kids to imitate those they love. Um, sometimes just simple things can really impress um, a child. Uh, simple things that a parent or a grandparent or some other role model may do. Um, for example, there's a picture there of, uh, I don't know if anyone's experienced this, of, um, of a child wanting to, to mow the lawns with you. And if you forgive me, I'm going to tell you a little story about my own daughter, Tessa. When she was four, um, we were, uh, I guess we had the, a great opportunity to be able to travel to the USA. And when we were there, um, we, we had a few different flights. And I noticed that Tessa was really enamoured by the air hostesses. Um, they were just wonderful <laughs> because they, they, you know, they were dressed so, so beautifully. They um, spoke so clearly. They were so friendly. They gave her gifts. And you could just tell that that was um, someone that she thought she really looked up to. And um, at the end of one of our flights... Um, the, an air hostess came up with a microphone and said, I've got a special job for you to do, Tessa. And the job was that she had to say over the microphone, we hope you've enjoyed the flight and thanks for flying with Delta, right? So um, Tessa did it. She got up the confidence and she, she said it. And then the whole cabin clapped. Um, and so it's funny how, how something so simple and small um, can have an incredible impact on a little child, um, being given the honour to participate in in real air hostess work, <laughs> and um, or in or in real mowing or in in any other circumstance. When we read the gospel stories, um, I, I often feel like I'm like one of the disciples. We we marvel at the great deeds um, of this man. And um, for most of the stories, the disciples are merely onlookers. They're looking on in wonder and often scratching their heads. Sometimes they're slowly but surely catching on to what Jesus is doing. And in today's story, a remarkable thing happens. Jesus turns towards his 12 disciples and he says, you're ready to do what I do. So I'm sending you out in my name to do the work of healing and restoring and proclaiming God's coming kingdom that I've been doing. And so it seems that a life with Jesus is not just a life of admiring him, not just being a fan, 
But um, if we are to grow spiritually at all, then we must imitate him. And the real spiritual growth happens when we actually agree to Jesus sending us out to be part of what he's doing. You could say that the Son of God became one of us to enable us to become sons and daughters of God. So this is actually, it's a tremendous privilege for us and it's also an essential ingredient in the life of faith. This idea that we are sent, our lives um, contain a a sense of I've been sent by God. But you know, I also think that this reality of, of being sent out is can often feel, if we're honest with ourselves, totally unappealing. <laughs> um, it can seem like mission impossible. Um, it can also seem like a foolish thing to do or a dangerous thing to do. And perhaps we can also think, how could I possibly live up to, to something that Jesus did? How could I possibly bring healing and restoration? And how could I proclaim God's kingdom coming? The church today is generally not as enthusiastic about mission as she was in the 19th century and and for the first half of of last century. In our day of multiculturalism, we can often be really hesitant to evangelize. We we fear coming across arrogant, which is a good thing, um, but we, we don't want to step on other people's toes And often we've bought into that secular idea of, um, well, it's better just to let everyone do what they want to do. And so we we don't have that sense of being sent out by God to to be his presence in the world around us. And I reckon this has kind of dampened the missionary enterprise in our day. The truth is that um, churches that let mission take a back seat tend to be in decline. Because really at the very heart of our belief is the conviction that God has something incredible to give the world. If we really believe that, then how could we sit back? Um, Leslie Newbigin, um, he's a, a, a well-known writer um, and missionary in India. He says, to believe is the condition of sharing now in the benefits of God's mighty works of healing and cleansing. So if we're believers, then we, we want to, we want to share now in the benefits of what God's doing. And we, we trust that he is at work. So let's get into our story today. Um, our reading today reminds us again of why Jesus sends us. All right. Um, so at the, let's just read the first bit. So this is from, um, Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 for anyone who has their Bible with them. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. 
These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So in this passage, um, by the way, I should say that the passage today is quite long, so I'm just breaking it up into little chunks. Okay, And in, in this passage that we've just heard, we're given four fundamentals um, to mission, things that take us back to what's the heart of mission, what, what is it really about to be sent by Jesus in, in our lives. And the first one is the heart of Christ for people. So quite simply, we do mission because Jesus' heart goes out to people. Um, in verse 36, um, it says, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus hurts when he sees people. He feels for them. They grab him down deeply in his body. Um, their struggle reaches him. So the first reason why we do Christian mission at all is to express Jesus' compassion. Because Jesus suffers for people, he forms a mission to them. So mission isn't motivated by at all by a sense of you know disgust for of um, for people because of their their sin or something like that. Or it's not motivated by wanting to be um, more powerful and and influential in our in our world. Um, mission is motivated by the far more appealing fact of Jesus' compassion for all people. It's a first task in which disciples go and compassionately help people. And in so doing, we represent the breaking news of God's favor towards them. The second fundamental that we hear in this passage is is about the prayers of disciples for workers. So Jesus mentions that, um, you know, he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But he doesn't say, therefore, get out there. Instead, um, in the face of, of this immense need and tiny resources, we're encouraged to pray to the Lord of the harvest um, f- for him to do his recruiting work, which is another way of saying that mission belongs to God, not us. So the closest we get to recruiting people is prayer. Um, and it's it's good for us to remember that any any strategies or great plans we may have um, in terms of mission are, are really nothing if we don't bring it before God and if we don't um, try to, um, to, I guess, live under God's mission. And so the work is described as well as, as a, a already present harvest. So the mission field isn't, it's not like a bare ground that we need to go out and plant the seeds. It's, it's a work that's already almost finished and, um, and it's mainly done by God himself. And our job is merely to help, to assist. You know those bands um, that people used to wear? I think it was a bit of a um, thing in the 90s maybe. What would Jesus do? So everyone had a WWJD band. Anyone remember that? Yeah, a couple of people. Anyway, and the idea was that you're supposed to walk around and when you're in your everyday life, it's a bit of a reminder, oh, yeah, I should be doing what Jesus would do. 
I reckon it should be W-I-J-D. What is Jesus doing? Because really, um, as we go out, as we're sent out into the world, God's at work. Jesus is already doing stuff. And we just need to um, assist, which is a, a real encouragement. Our third fundamental in this passage is the gifts given for healing of others. So when Jesus sends us out, he equips us. He doesn't send us out without any equipping. Um, now, it's, it's a, a bit of a challenge for us when we hear, if we're honest with ourselves, that um, it says that um, Jesus gave his disciples authority to drive our impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And, and I guess for, often for us, we, we will say, um, are we given that authority today? Um, and I think the answer is yes, some are. Um, but honesty also requires us to acknowledge that most of us, when we pray for healing, um, it doesn't always happen in the same way that the early church um, stories tell us. But um, for me, I think the, the importance is for us to be obedient um, in, in praying for those who are healed. And the gospel healings certainly mandate us to have solidarity with the sick and the, and the, um, and the, those who are unwell and to, um, help us to give, um, to be given the ability to, to go and, and bring healing. It's also good to recognize that healing comes in many ways. Sometimes friendship can be a big healer in itself. And the last fundamental from this passage of mission is, um, the fellowship in the church. So we're, um, we're sharing life with each other. And, and I think that means more than once a week. And so Matthew's list of disciples, the 12 disciples, it, um, it teaches us that we need each other as much as we need Christ, as much as we need prayer, and as much as we need spiritual gifts in our mission. Um, Christian mission is a community enterprise of richly varied gifts. Um, you can't do it on your own. And so we live within a fellowship of believers, and we should always seek to honour this fellowship. Um, so in summary, we need Christ's compassionate heart, we need prayer, we need gifts, and we need each other. When we have those four, we're a missionary church. Tell you another story before we go to the next bit of the passage. Um, and this is another travel story. A couple of years ago, um, Ros and Tessa and I, we went to visit my brother who was um, working in Tanzania in Africa. And um, on one of the days where we were there, my brother had organized for us to go and visit a, um, a village which was quite far out and they were very poor people, um, mainly just living off the land. So not much in terms of money um, and they really just lived day by day um, making, growing their own food. And we really, um, so Andrew organized for us to go out there and, um, and for there to be a, a special lunch. And part of the reason was just for us to be able to see the culture there. But, um, our, I guess in our hearts, we wanted to be a blessing to those people too. We didn't want to just go and sit and watch their, you know, their songs and, and, um, and be there at their lunch and not be a blessing to them. But for us to be able to do that, we needed to ask my brother, for instructions. We needed travel instructions. We needed to know where do we go? Um, what do we do? 
how do we act, and with whom do we spend time with. And so, um, likewise, you'll you'll see, by the way, by the picture, that I reckon we were, we did in the end get into it, and we were um, indeed a blessing to those people as much as they were a blessing to us. You can see Roz there with a with a drum um, getting into it, and Tessa as well. Um, so Jesus goes on in the, in this passage to give travel instructions. He then gives trouble instructions and then trust instructions. So um, for the rest of the message today, we're just going to go through those, okay? Um, Jesus giving travel instructions to his disciples, trouble instructions and trust instructions. So let me read Jesus' travel instructions. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not set any gold or silver or copper to take with you. Sorry, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. All right. So like any good travel instructions, these ones are very specific um, for a particular situation. But Matthew records them in great detail, and so presumably he thinks that they remain relevant to the church after Jesus' um, death and resurrection as well. And um, our question today is, how might we apply these travel instructions for the mission of our church today? So the first one, the first question to ask is, where do we do mission? And um, in, in the passage, Jesus gives clear instructions that they're not to go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but to go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. We know that that's not a universal um, request because in Matthew 28, at the end of, of Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus says, now go and make disciples of all nations. But I think the thing that we can get here is that we, we should find our focus. So ask God, what's, what's the focus for us? What's the focus for me in my mission today? Um, is, you know, for, for Jesus' situation here, the focus was go to the lost sheep of Israel. So who are the lost sheep that you um, feel God is wanting you to go to and um, is wanting us to go to as a church? The next question we have to ask is what do we do in mission? What's our job? What's our, our message? And really our message is heralding and healing. Okay, A herald was um, back before we had um, TV like and years and years back in cities, there'd be a, um, you know, a special stone in the square and the herald would stand there and would say the news. You know, here's the news. The king just 
you know, did this and da 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 da, and all the all the different stories. Um, so our job is to herald, um, is to proclaim um, that God's kingdom is is coming. God's kingdom is at is breaking in. Um, what an exhilarating thing to be able to tell people that as we speak to them, God's presence is at work. He's in what we're doing. But it's also hard to um, understand um, or hard to know what that message might have meant to people. Here comes the kingdom of God. And so we, we assume that, um, that the apostles would have explained this to, um, to the people that they were with. Um, with the help of Jesus' teaching and, and, and stories and controversies. Um, so telling the Jesus stories just as we do today. And the kingdom of God is, is decidedly about seeing healing and restoration happening. So people are accepted into, um, into Jesus' company, but they're not left as they are. Um, in, in this sort of mystery, mystery of the, of God's kingdom at work in us, we're transformed both physically and morally, and it's all part of something bigger than what we're doing. It's something that God does in us and through us. He brings healing and, and restoration to us. So that's our job, is, is to proclaim that God is in our midst and to, um, to assist in, in bringing the healing about um, that God is bringing. How do we do it? Well, Jesus' message is, Simply, not grandly. So we are to be scrupulous about avoiding any suggestion that we're on the make, that we're actually just out for money. Um, workers need to make a living, but um, when we're part of a spiritual movement of God, it can be tempting to use it for other than spiritual ends. And once we do that, um, if it becomes a commercial venture, it instantly becomes inauthentic. In a nutshell, Jesus is not happy when mission is coloured green and when dollar signs are, are too prominent in what we're doing in God's name. And the last question is, with whom do we do mission? And Jesus' answer is, do it with the people who are receptive. So verse 13 um, from chapter 10 says, If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. So we go to those who, who receive us and, um, and we, we bring God's welcome and God's peace into that um, space. So that gives us a little bit of an idea. Hopefully you're, you're sort of, it's helping you to understand what does, what does it really mean for me to be sent out by Jesus with those travel instructions. Now Jesus turns to trouble instructions. Let me read. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So the first thing that we glean from these travel instructions is that trouble is to be expected. Okay, troubles are to disciples what water is to fish. Okay, if you if you think um, oh, I'm doing God's mission, so therefore it should be plain sailing, 
you've got it wrong. There's, there's trouble and it's to be expected. So in order to handle rejection and trouble in mission, Jesus offers these two kind of interesting little actions. One's called, I call peace retrieving, and the other one is dust shaking. All right. So both of these actions, um, I reckon are there for us to, Jesus gives them, gives us these to support us and to strengthen us. Um, so the idea of, of, um, giving our peace and then retrieving it back if it's not accepted, um, is really, I guess it, um, it means that the messengers, um, that, that we're, we're messengers carrying God's peace and that when we greet someone who, um, who doesn't receive that, we, we can just say, we're sorry to tell you that we must take back the peace that we had hoped to bring to this house. So we're not, we don't lose our sense of God's, God's peace being with us when, when we meet with re- rejection and we're able to retrieve it back and to move on. Um, the Jews had this tradition when they went to foreign countries that when they returned, as a little thing that they did, they'd shake off from their feet and their clothes the dust of, of the foreign nation behind them. And it was kind of like a spiritual um, customs duty, you know, um, like customs at, at the airport. Um, when you get back to the Holy Land, you shake off the dust from your feet, lest you bring back anything unclean. And um, it's an action, I reckon, that Jesus says to us here to clear our mind of any challenges that we've faced. Um, it's certainly not something where we shake our dust off to a person and say, you're unclean. We don't do that, but we, but, but it's saying to a town that doesn't accept you, you say, so be it. I'm not going to let that shake me. I'm going to move, move on. One key reason for these curious actions, as I said before, is to really to fortify the disciple. Because of course, we'd be discouraged in those situations. And we'd be, um, when we encounter the resistance, we'd be asking, um, isn't the Lord in this? What am I doing? And so these little actions remind us that Jesus predicted that we would have trouble and so we can go on. The next thing is, is uh, I reckon that Jesus is saying, when he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He's saying, having trouble doesn't mean that God is powerless. Okay? You know how um, different cars or different countries or different organizations will have, um, you know, some kind of motto or an, an emblem. And usually it's like a fierce tiger or a, a lion or an eagle or some kind of animal that looks super impressive. Ours as Christians is a sheep, <laughs> which probably isn't the most impressive of, of animals in the animal kingdom. Um, you'd have to agree. Yet the challenge of being disciples of Jesus is precisely the challenge to give up the world's standards of, hero, of being a hero. Um, when you go into the world in his obedience, you go as sheep in the midst of wolves. And this sheepishness is due to the non-violent nature of Jesus' work. As we learn when we read um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, which you can read in Matthew chapters 5 to 7, and you'll, you'll see Jesus teaching about what it means to follow him. 
So we're not fighters. Um, we're not allowed to be haters. And we cannot abuse and tear down. In short, the word sheep means that disciples and missionary movements are not to see themselves as engaged in conquering crusades. Our vulnerability as sheep reminds us of our constant need as well for a good shepherd. Outwardly, worldly power will usually defeat us, um, but in a, in a hidden and very real way, mission is happening. So sometimes when you're involved in, in doing some mission out in the world, you can feel like you've lost, like I didn't win. And yet you can see that in a hidden way, God's work's being done. Even in times of rejection, that, that's going on. Um, so we trust in the way of Jesus and we remember that Jesus' life led to the cross. And the cross, so, is not an exception to the rule of discipled life, but it's the rule. So disciples will often lose battles but win the war. At the beginning of, of this scripture, um, of this sermon, um, Jesus likened the world to lost sheep. Do you remember that? He said, oh, um, they're like lost sheep. But now it's changed to snarling wolves. So I guess we can ask ourselves, which is it? Uh, are people in the world, are they battered sheep or are they threatening wolves? Um, the scripture suggests that we are both. On the one hand, people need as much help as they can get and they're like lost and battered sheep. But um, And that awakens a sense of compassion in us. But at the same time, humans in difficulty can foster aggression. So what one moment can seem like a harmless sheep can the next moment be like wolves hungry for blood? Jesus is really full of animal pictures in this little section. Um, his portrait is of sheep amidst wolves, teaching us about vulnerability. Um, but he also brings in snakes. And I reckon he's saying, yes, you're vulnerable, but don't be stupidly vulnerable. The shrewd wisdom of snakes is well known in, in Proverbs, um, in those in that sort of those wisdoms, um, wisdom comments that people make. Um, but we're not to imitate everything about snakes, like poisonous attacks or, or stealthy ways, but only their intelligence. Unintelligent mission is not what Jesus seeks when he sends us out as sheep. Um, if Jesus wants us to be like sheep, then we should at least be smart sheep. And I, I think a smart sheep is one who follows his shepherd's voice. Also, um, he mentions that we need to be gentle as doves. Doves are in the world of birds, what sheep are in the world of, in the world of animals to me. They're peaceful, they're harmless, and they're nonviolent. These animals on our, on our shield, on our breastplate, the sheep and the dove, um, they don't incite fear and foreboding, but nor should they. Instead, they portray the completely different character of Jesus' approach to life and mission. So lastly, we, we get to uh, trust instructions. And um, let me just read Jesus' trust instructions here. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. 
On, account, on my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be, um, be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and, his, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So don't be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So just uh, moving along in Jesus' trust instructions, the first one is to remember that the Holy Spirit will speak for you. So Jesus presents us with the ABCs of persecution, arrests, beatings, confrontations. Um, not, Not something that we find particularly appealing. But Jesus recognizes too that such circumstances could paralyze his disciples. So he says, relax, let me tell you a wonderful truth. That uh, as you speak, the Holy Spirit will actually be speaking for you. We, um, we hear in, in 2 Timothy, um, Timothy um, gives an example of this. He says this um, in 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 18. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all of the Gentiles to hear. So there's a really wonderful encouragement here that the Spirit talks when, our, when we as his disciples um, bear witness. The two go together. Where disciples speak in critical situations, the Spirit speaks. Now, as, as you heard me speaking the, um, th- that passage, it, it's interesting how Jesus seems to be, like this is his sermon about mission, and yet he seems to be so focused on, um, on really difficult things like um, civil and religious arrests, family betrayals, um, all sorts of things. And then he comes to this statement where he says, you'll be hated by absolutely everybody because of my name. You think, why, why is he so... Um, consistently stressing bad news in a message that's supposed to thrill his disciples to get out there and, and, and do mission. 
Why is there so little prediction of success, of, of lives changed, of cities transformed? Um, I think the, um, the fact is, as I mentioned before, that um, the apostles go out, we, we bring healing, we bring um, the good news, and yet, strangely, it, 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 turns, it often turns against us to, be, to the point where we're universally hated. And if you think, why would that happen? Um, just think of Jesus in his, in his life, in his mission. He seemed to be all about healing and transformation and, and newness. And yet, look where his life ended. Um, he, his life ended with, with the same sort of hatred. And so there's this mystery there of human sin. But Jesus reminds us of his ultimate victory, that we will not be finished before the Son of Man comes. We, um, we may feel that all is lost, but right as we are running away with our tail between our legs, Jesus will return in glory. So he's saying, trust, trust, trust in Jesus' ultimate victory. Love will win over hate. Good will win over evil. I, I always find the last words of, um, of this passage just beautiful, where Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. God deeply knows you and is with you. And we have those beautiful words of the sparrow, um, of, of, about sparrows, about how um, even when a sparrow dies, something as in, insignificant as a sparrow, um, that it doesn't die without God's knowledge of it. And um, goes on to speak of, um, of how much more God recognises us um, as, as valuable and, and how much he is with us. And so if God is loyal to us, can we show loyalty to God when it counts? Thanks for, um, for bearing with, with that um, long sermon on, on mission. And um, I hope that as you've heard it, that you've, um, you've really been sort of attuned to get afresh to, to what it means to be sent out um, by Jesus into this world. What I want to do now is just um, lead you in a time of, of response. So remember that you've got your, your response cards, which I encourage you to, to write something down. Sometimes it's good just to sit and, and think, but often when, when something comes to you, if you write it down, it, it can help you to, um, you know, to make something more of it than if you've just had a fleeting thought. The other thing is that um, remember that you can hand those response cards in. Um, David will come around during our last song, and, um, and that will mean that we, we can pray for you as, um, as the ministry team here. So the responses that I'd like um, for you just to be able to think about now is, are up on the screen. Um, what steps will you take to discern the purpose that Jesus has for you? Um, where can you find opportunities for compassion? How can you invigorate your prayer life? to pray for God's mission to be accomplished? And how can we work together and encourage each other more deeply to share missions, many joys and challenges? You don't have to, by the way, um, answer each of those questions on the thing. It, those questions are there to, to get you thinking in, in whichever way you want to. So, um, yeah, I just ask, I'm going to, uh, there's going to be some music and, um, 
I encourage you just to spend some time in reflection now. Thanks.